and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, <laughs> Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, the king of the Niagara region, Chris O'Toole. <laughs> well, Damien, that was quite the intro. Uh, I don't know about the latter, but thank you. <laughs> well, I know about the latter. I was just in your your kingdom, and <laughs> and I went to go to a, a vaporizer bar that was situated on Highway 420. Oh, and Chris, your your influence in your kingdom is very <laughs> apparent because now that place has been shut down. Yeah, way to go, oh. jerk. <laughs> Well, I don't know what uh, what to say other than that I don't really know even the place you're talking about, but okay. <laughs> sure, sure you don't, Chris. <laughs> yes. I know how you got them shut down. No, it's I'm... ironic, though, that you do mention that highway number because, yeah, that's very uh, that's a very big in-joke in the region. Oh, I know. It's, it's that, that, that highway is going to have a lot of sti- signs stolen or probably already has had a lot of signs stolen. Yeah, I would imagine. But there are going to be a lot more being stolen in, in nine more days or eight more days or how many more days? When Yeah, the uh, did you, by the way, we're, we're, this this works on air, but <laughs> I believe the unveiling is scheduled for the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Legalization? Yeah. That is the day that cannabis is legalized. Unfortunately, there will be no stores and nowhere to buy cannabis on that day for people. So well, don't leave your dealer just yet. But the irony about that date is. Is that 10, Edge Day? 10, 10, exactly. That is fucking amazing, Chris. <laughs> I didn't even realize that until someone mentioned because uh, there's someone I know who has that birthday. And they mentioned that the legalization was happening on their birthday. And I went, wait, what? And then I actually looked at the dates and I just started laughing immediately. That is awesome. Well, looks like Edge Day just sold out. <laughs> But regardless, yeah, I just thought of all the days, like what a what a hilarious coincidence. Um, for me, it's 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 perfect. It dovetails, you know. Now I can do, yeah. I can do a festival that has a bunch of bands that sound like they should be playing Edge Day, but it's Weed Day, <laughs> which is my dream festival. Yes. <laughs> Either way, I dream for a world where you can uh, smoke cannabis. And still listen to aggressive music. Like, you know, I basically live for the pessimizer world. <laughs> yes, that, that is fine. <laughs> That's my dream world. Uh, Chris, how are you doing this week, buddy? Good. Starting to get rested. I'm, I'm good. I'm at it. Well, I was going to say, this has been a two-week layoff because yeah. there were some travels yeah. that were had on both of our accounts. And now we are back. With a vengeance, and we've got a full slate today, bud. We do. I had to catch up over the over my uh, last few days home here. How was your vacation starting off? It was great. It's very hard to get into in brevity, but you've been at West. Yes, I have. Multiple times, as have I. But um, yeah, did a lot of sort of bucket list things and uh, really, really enjoyed it. Very much needed. Chris, there's something that you experienced out there that I got to experience when I was um, – uh, you know, like years ago when I went out there for the, one of my first times, but so few people I know have experienced this, and it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yeah. That Hearst Castle. 
It is great, actually. Yeah, it's good you brought that up. Um, I ended up doing a lot of things, so it's it's hard to boil down in a brief soundbite. But yeah, Hearst Castle was excellent for yep. anybody that is not from uh, the West Coast, specifically the Central Coast. Um, yeah, highly recommended if you ever travel there to do it. It's off the one in San Simeon. It's very, very great. And uh, that's cool you've done it. I had no idea. I didn't know anyone else who's done it. Yeah, so. I had that my my uh, much talked about trip to Los Angeles in grade twelve. It was twelve, uh, where I got to meet Johnny Ramone. Wow! And I got to go to the Hearst Castle. Nice. Yeah, it was great. It was a really cool trip. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> well, I didn't get to meet Johnny Ramone, but I did go to his grave, so that's where we connect in that respect. So. Well, Sounds like you had an exactly parallel trip to my experience. Yes, I had the the future version of Wait, your trip. You also went to Tang Records. <laughs> I did go to Tang Records. That is correct. Man. Yeah, it was that was the or did you do that too? When you I went? did do that too, Chris. When I went out there, <laughs> nice. Yeah, the uh, it had to be done. I mean, I was out there. It's rare I'm ever in that part of the world, and I'd bizarrely never been to it, even though I'd been out there before. So that yeah, let's go in. They had a lot of really great singles on the wall, actually. Does it still that thing where you have to like there's like glass in front of the singles or plexi? Mm, no, they were just up high. They were okay. like up like uh they were not within reach. Okay, okay. So things yeah. have changed a little bit. I guess. Yeah, I think I it's know. in a different city now too. It's in San Diego. Like yeah, it used to be in LA. Downtown or whatever. Okay. Gotcha. Or at least the one I went to was in LA. But anyway, still like amazing yeah. how we had these parallel lives. You know, we probably would have run into each other had this been a world where there was no such thing as time. <laughs> yes. More importantly, that I went to Joshua Tree as well, which is where I think that would have really intersected. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it was great. Never been there. Yeah. It was great. I recommend that too to anybody that hasn't. Not that that's a big secret, but yeah. Yeah. I, I have never uh, – I've never uh, – yeah, I've never been. Yeah, you should go. I'm I'm just shocked that your band never did some funky thing there where you decided to like stay in Joshua Tree or something. That 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 seems like a fucked up thing. Uh I think uh yeah, I think I think that's the I think uh I think we might eventually uh you know, like, you know, probably do some psychedelic nightmare out there, but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think I think I think the time of fucked up doing anything like that is is long since past. If we did, if we if we did mushrooms out there together, it'd probably turn into like some sort of fucking, <laughs> you know, terrible nightmare exploitation movie from the seventies. <laughs> well, regardless, I, I meant more just in a happen to be traveling through, and someone thinks like cleverly, like, "Oh, let's go and stay," because there's an actual township, so you could stay actually in Joshua Tree without being in the park. But uh, but the park itself, yeah, of course you could go and do that, and if you ch- so choose. So you went there, no drugs. Of course, none. Yeah, that's like a rare thing, I think, for a lot of people now. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I think there's a lot of tourists that go you all see, the time. You see an entourage yeah. episode? They did drugs on that going to the Joshua Tree. They did. It's a great episode, actually. Um. But uh, I think every reference in a movie is probably related to something like that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of um, drug use in movies in Joshua Tree. It makes sense why that happens. Like, obviously, I'm not totally <laughs> like foolish. Like, I get it. But it's yeah, no, mine was just purely exploration. I didn't really hike though. 
uh, because again, it was a very hot day and it's uh, not optimal conditions to be hiking in whatever, 35 degree weather at high noon or whatever. But it was great and I recommend for anyone to go. You can kind of drive through. So for those who haven't gone, do it. It's well worth the uh, the trek out there. Yeah, no, I I I, I want to go one day, probably with my my family. Yeah, you'd have a good time. I mean, it's 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 whatever. It was it was close enough to. It's just a few hour drive or whatever between like San Diego, or whatever, and like that area. So you can get out to it easy if you're staying in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. It's an afternoon event, or you know what I mean, something like that. Yeah, like it's it's I uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make my trek out there. Sorry, Dave Martin, correspondent is. Uh, blowing up both of our phones right now <laughs> i'm hearing the buzzes but i didn't answer them yet. okay I've, it's, it's he's don't worry he's just weighing in about uh one of the new weird fucked up music side projects that's been coming out oh <laughs> so, okay uh i will turn on my turn off my phone i apologize to you chris for doing that you know? yeah no worries sometimes i leave it on in case there's a late breaking punk piece of news but you know i think today it's just going to be dave martin uh with music critiques <laughs> what uh so we've talked about my uh the reason for the absence of weeks or whatever uh what what have you been up to dave nothing <laughs> sure <laughs> nothing just same old same old um no i've uh we what i've been doing i've been working doing podcasts got a lot of cool ones coming up a lot of really really awesome stuff in the bank coming forward including uh, a podcast with Mike that had to be recorded in two parts, Chris, because he got too high. <laughs> I'm very much into Like, I'm not going to lie to you. You've told me about all, well, not, maybe not all the ones you have coming up, but definitely a bunch, and they're they're great. But I, I am very much anticipating that the most, 100%. Yeah, I got to say Mike is one of the most requested guests that hasn't been on yet. Um, I'm already saying it might be my top for the year if we're to do that again. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it might be up there. I don't know. There's been, there's been some strong contenders this year, but yeah, we should definitely do that this year because that was fun picking yeah. the best ones of the year. But there's, there's a couple ones coming up. There's one where, where like a, a legendary punk vocalist comes for a part two and brings a lot of hot tea. <laughs> um, okay. It's, it's good. And it's not, don't worry, it's no one who has been on before and, and, and brought tea in that sort of way. It's an interesting episode. It's going to be – it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Nice. But regardless, what else have you been up to? Uh, uh, Fucked Up's got a new record. Yeah. Uh, came it's out good. La- Thank it's you. very good. I'm going to say you. that right now because I can say it objectively because you're in the band. So I feel like it's awkward when you say that about your own music. But It definitely um, is. It hasn't stopped with- Mike, but it definitely is awkward when someone says that about their own music. Yeah, it just comes off a certain way. But I, I like without prompting, even pre-show, uh, although we did talk about it briefly uh, earlier today. But um, yeah, I think it's really great. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you very much, Chris. I'm, uh, I'm a fan. I've already been a fan of your band, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm really impressed with it. And Thank you. I think that uh, I don't know what's in the ether about it right now. But for those people, to, to quantify those who listen to the show regularly, I think kind of know where I'm at taste-wise. But mm-hmm. If you don't know, like I'm a total – like I, I don't have just knucklehead tastes, but I do have many knucklehead tastes and I still like this record on a whole other level. So I highly uh, encourage people to actually check it out. 
and really, really kind of give it some time. But I was here front that. to back, uninterrupted, and it was a it was a great listen. Um, I appreciate that. It's it's definitely uh, yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting. This is definitely different for me because I've never, you know, like I've done, yeah, I've done records before, obviously, but like normally by this point, um, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, like I'm a, I'm heavily invested in lyrics I've written and all that kind of stuff. This time, I really kind of. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel like I'm just uh, along for the ride as much as anyone else is. Uh, it's, I get that. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been pretty cool though to watch like everything happen. Like you know, like it's, it's been exciting to kind of like, you know, sit back and and watch these these you know cool uh, records that I had no idea were coming out coming out. You know, and and all this sort of stuff. It's yeah, it's been it's been exciting. It's I'm I'm. Uh, I'm excited to to see where this record goes, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm on the uh, it's on, of course, the Almighty Merge. So I'm very impressed by that as well. Yeah, it is on Merge, which is amazing to be on that label because you know it is a great label full of bands that we're not only friends with, but bands that have inspired us and and bands that you know I'm just stoked to be around. I you agree. know, we, we left a pretty, we left a, a pretty heartbroken kind of situation and, and wound up, you know, somewhere where we, I think we were able to kind of do what we need to do. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like it, th- that was a big part of the week. <laughs> big, big part <laughs> of the week was dealing with all that record stuff that was happening and coming out and stuff. But, uh, it's been great. It's been really, it's been really cool to kind of like watch uh, everything happen. Nice. I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I've liked the rollout for this to speak in industry terms. There's like a new techno record today. That is associated with the, with the record. I think <laughs> I love that you don't know, but yeah, that's cool though. I like those elements on the record a lot. I will say. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, I, 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 I think like, yeah, like I think there's like a lot of cool, a lot of cool stuff that Mike was trying to get all in on that record. And I think at a certain point he realized, let's just do other projects. And yeah. I, I'm most excited about those things because I have no idea where they're going to come from next. Nice. Like that Japanese hardcore one uh, took me by surprise completely. And I sing on it. So, okay. So for listeners that don't know what we're speaking about, so I'm going to cue that one up. So that's on a label. I think it's called Quality Control put that out. I think Quality Control put that out. Yes. Yeah. So Damien is referring to the idea that like to speak specifically, there are projects that I guess mostly Mike and Jonah are involved with, I guess would be the best way of saying it. I would, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'd say mostly Mike and Jonah from fucked up. Definitely. Yeah. But at the same time, like there's that raise your voice Joyce comp. Yeah, which has uh, you know f- amazing vocalists on it, um, f- you know from all over the UK that are in, in addition to Mike and Jonah. There's yeah. the Japanese record or Japanese inspired record. I shouldn't say Japanese record. Sorry, Japanese inspired record. Japanese hardcore Burning Spirits inspired record that Quality Control put out. Oh, they and and Ellis put out the first thing. Yeah, that Razor Voice Joyce is a is the uh, I, is it a compilation? Technically, it's a compilation. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the other one 
is what the hell is it called? I don't know how to pronounce it. Jello Sea and Wilbury? Is that where? Or Woodbury? Pardon me. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Why. Oh, Jellico. Jellico. Pardon me. I was reading it from far. Jelly. J e l l i c o e and Woodbury. And the the record is Doubt and Fear. And it's on quality control. Came out this year. It's a seven inch. It's great. It's ripping. Uh, highly recommended. The cover art's deadly too. Cover art's incredible. Like when I actually saw that record, I'm like, yo, that cover art's fucking ridiculous. Who did that? And then uh, I found <laughs> out like it was for yep. a band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. And I don't know how to pronounce his whatever. I've always just, I've said Sugi, but I don't know if that's correct. But I think anyway. it's Suji. Suji, Sugi, I don't know. Anyway, I, don't know. Very I, I wish I pronounced He is a legendary artist. Like. Yeah, I've never known how to pronounce it, but yeah, he does great work. And that's, he does the cover. It's great. Uh, but the Razor Voice Joyce comp thing is out on Static Shock, which we sort of mentioned briefly uh, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. But it is associated with that, I guess. But anyway, so you're saying there's also a techno one. That I don't know about. There's this new one that came out today on Merge called uh jade hairpins mother jade man hairpins. is the name of the single nice gotta check that out and it's just a single it's just a two song single nice huh yeah I'm trying to find the uh did you look in the the resource is that what you're finding it no i just looked uh it got tweeted up i fucked up today oh no i have it here it is on the resource it's a 12 inch yeah, it's it on the resource some, already. Yeah, man. So yeah, it's uh, so Jade J A D E hair pins, all one word, as it is H A I R P I N S. Uh, Mother man and gracefully is the uh, the A and B side, respectfully. And it came out, yeah. Well, it says the fifth, but yeah, um, crazy. So I gotta check that out. Yeah, that's what I think Dave Martin was texting me about. I don't think he's a fan. <laughs> regardless very cool so that's what you're referring to for the listeners who are not in the inside baseball yes yeah, so, sorry yeah. sorry everyone to jump in and, and get too inside with you i feel like i'm the outside of fucked up so i figured like all this stuff is kind of like you know i'm just gleaning this from what's going on it's not like i've talked to mike to get the bigger picture of what's going on well, and you're just speaking to me, so I think we slip into the idea that you are, I already know what you're speaking of, so it's very just true. off that way. Very true, Chris. Um, That's why I need yeah. you, man. I need you to bring me back to reality sometime when, <laughs> when the hash gets flowing. <laughs> no, it's fine. You're not. You're not. You're not. Flow, you're not in, like you haven't gone off in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yet. I just want like to break down for people that are like, "What the hell are they talking about?" But yeah. So there are those things that accompany the release of "Fucked Up's Dose Your Dream" on Merge. Uh, yes. And speaking of which, next week on the show, Mike Halichuk will be here to accompany. I'm working on a couple other guests to accompany the release of this record. Nice. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Yes. Uh, and it, it has some great guest appearances, which I was also very impressed with. Their performances on it are, uh, are excellent. Including a guest this week on the show. That's correct. Uh, so we will get into We've got a lot to get into today, Chris. Yeah, There's man. like, we're digging out. We're digging out. We got like basically three episodes to talk about. Yeah. Let's um, start with, uh, what are we going, chronologically? Yeah, chronologically. Let's start with, uh, I guess we got to start with the, the one who started all off for, for us in our absence, which is someone that I knew we had to talk about together because if there's 
one other person in the world that would appreciate how awesome it was to have this guest on the show. It's you, my friend. And that is Matt Murphy of the band Super Friends. Canadian legends, Chris, is it fair to say Canadian legends? Yes, although I think that it's their legend is more appreciated by people of our specific age group. A hundred percent. I think it's one of those typical Canadian stories where maybe people have heard the name, but it's sort of lost in a time. Um, but yeah, great band. I would say that's also, you know, not not the Canadian media's fault, but like just like the way the way we consume media's fault. Yeah, you know, in in Canada, like we don't go back and like with the exception of fucking Neil Young. Yes, he's good. The Guess Who, yeah, they're good. You know, there's certain artists that just don't. You know, we don't really acknowledge music beyond certain key groups. Rush, I, I agree. Yeah, Rush is another one. Yeah, I'm I'm also going to push back. The Guess Who are not very good, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, I think you're correct. I think we canonize things in a certain way in this country that. But it's weird, like Sloan, maybe because they never went away, like they technically actually did go away, but realistically they never did. So that's why they remain sort of like in some kind of uh, realm as far as being acknowledged. But it's this this kind of group is like, there's a few I would put in the same kind of category of bands that I think are really important that don't get talked about enough. But yeah, I'm sure. Friends. So go on, go on. No, just super friends are definitely one. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, I think I think like Joel Plaskett's someone that's kind of I think in the same way that that Sloan gets you know like they they kind of train he transcends almost to a different level of popularity. Yeah. Uh but also with a different crowd, but I don't think people like appreciate how awesome Thrush Hermit is. In the same way they don't appreciate how awesome Super Friends is. Yeah, I think and I think the people that do are the only people that appreciate this stuff. That's <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> We're not saying it because it's like it's only good to a certain segment of people, but yeah, that's the problem. Like when I think about a lot of the bands that get talked about, you know, whatever on a, on a certain scale of notoriety, it's just it's perhaps it's a border thing where we talk about it here more, like people like you and I talk about it here. But I just don't see it transcending our border a lot, which is which is probably the more disappointing part to me, because I like a lot of international music in the mm-hmm. years that that I talk about or think about. And I, I feel like here stuff gets big or big to a certain point and it just never really goes over anywhere else. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, this might be overstating it, but that Halifax scene is almost like the equivalent of our flying nun scene. You know, it happened much later, but like when, you know, and you certainly have scenes that pop up right across Canada, but like as far as population wise, a scene that churned out that many bands of, you know, like a, a certain maybe hard pop, for lack of a yeah. better definition or or, yeah. or genre, I guess, mm-hmm. that were all kind of like sonically similar, but not doing the same thing exactly sound wise. But that that all connected, like that was that was like those bands all had records that sold and like toured and and all were awesome. I agree. I th- I think like again, I think people of our generation living in Canada. No, I, I'm curious to see like the people that had listened to that episode that couldn't uh, or didn't just know some of those references, what their take on that was. Mm-hmm. Because some of that, you know, it's like, I, I really implore people to check it out if you haven't heard any of these bands. I think they're really good. I think more importantly, I think the records really hold up. And uh, that's more impressive to me than even how good the bands were at the time. 
Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that all, like most of these bands still, I would fuck with and listen to. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, like everything you mentioned certainly, like certainly has. And there's also a reason why some of these people have had very long careers, like going on 30 years, you know, because it's, they're, they're that talented, but that's a whole other, whatever debate. Yeah. That is definitely uh, a whole other debate. We should get into today's, uh, I guess we should start off talking about Matt's thing with, uh, I guess points. Should we get into points now? Yeah. Just whatever. What do you want to go on? Uh, I guess I, first of all, let's do a deep dive into the murder records discography. <laughs> yes. Which funny enough, while listening to that interview, um, the first thing, which is frequently something I do with my life, like in a nerdy way, is I thought immediately like, man, I wish I had more of the murder catalog. Like I wish I actively yeah. collected this more because I, I've always thought one Murder Records, first of all, is a great band or uh, label name, um, and they have an amazing logo too. Actually, yeah. but uh, yeah, the releases are deadly. Like, it's it's a good it's a good run. Yeah, they put out some you know well Canadian music classics, but they also put out some like low key hits and hitters. And once again, I would say this is the Canadian Flying Nun, you know, which might be overstating it. I know. But as far as just, you know, like a solid run for a Canadian label, I'm trying to think what other labels have had that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, And, and if they have, they've been very specific in other, other yeah. regards. Like if you know, if you talked about like network or something. But yeah. it's definitely quite specific in the other direction or whatever. And it kind of loses its way. Um, but yeah, I think this is a very – I'm just like – I'm just – like the the Mallrats soundtrack they put out, like what's with that? I don't know if they put that out, or I think they just had a song on it, and that's why it gets a credit on the on the yeah, cogs. Because I'm looking on the resource right now, I'm like, what? Like, dude, we're gonna let's do. Like, we gotta go all through this whole thing because it's gonna be ridiculous when we get start yeah. diving into this. But like, it's uh, you know, Murder Records was a label that was done by Sloan. The first record was their Peppermint EP which is right up there with the Bare Naked Ladies tape as the most important Canadian EPs of all time. Uh, (laughs) The Bare Naked Ladies tape I definitely also stand by too. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure, like, I think that Brian Wilson song is actually very good. So I'm sure there's, if it's on there, I'm sure there's some things I wouldn't dislike. Yeah, no, there's some some hitters. The the, the Bruce Coburn cover? Yeah, I remember that. I had a video for it. Uh, but I think they redid it on that that Gordon record. But anyway, uh, so we get into this label right here. They don't really start putting out vinyl until Murder Records '05, which is that awesome Sloan Eric's trip split seven inch. Yeah, still don't have it. Still an amazing record. But th- those songs are also featured on DGC Rarities Volume One, the CD. Are both of them Eric's trips on that too? Uh, yeah, well, ooh, maybe it's just the Sloan stuff. It's just the Sloan stuff, I think. Yeah, which but is either way, the, killer the, the Sloan, Sloan side is is featured on it. Yeah, I, I lucked out and got most of these records because there was some guy. I thought you came with me one day to this thing that was set up at that antique market that used to be by the St. Lawrence Market. No, and yeah, he just had like stacks of murder record stuff. Yeah, no, I wish. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my, this is a big want actually for me, that record. That record's, and then there's also the Hardship Post stuff. Hardship Post 7-inch, first press, sandpaper cover. 
Don't think they were doing that in tribute to feeders, but kind of fucking cool to think that they were. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's so and cool that like they, that they were doing that even in ninety nine in ninety four. Like they probably weren't aware of the feeders record, and probably were like, "Yo, let's just do something super badass, like make a record cover out of sandpaper." Yeah. So it destroys everything. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, yep. Buck sixty five next. Well, he was still known as Stinkin' Rich. Yep. Uh, which means that this label, yes, they also did rap. Like how? Yeah, he was a he was an oddity though. He was always heavily associated with the this whole world. Well, this that's not the only rap record they did. As we get a little further into the catalog. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Next, this is like a college radio centric <laughs> release. You're talking about, I think, going for Trailer Park Hip Hop by Hip, yeah, Club, Hip Club Groove. Groove. Yeah, exactly. A a absolutely it's amazing like this label must have had money they must have been like yo go out guys and sign stuff well it seemed to be in the interview he speaks about that it was like whatever like sort of a subsidiary of uh one of the canadian universal or something it was one of those labels Mm -hmm. and so i think although it's always confused me because they've seemed to have done certain releases all on their own dime but there's definitely stuff like you mentioned, like that hip hop groove seems to be like a, a whatever, or or it, it appeared to be a, a like a feeder label idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it goes in and out or if the money, the big money, went out of it at, for a time, and then I don't know. But yeah, I, I've always been curious about that. That same old flame single by Sloan. Uh, shout out to my friend Zach, but that's like because that he was the one who hit me that song. But that might be one of my favorite Sloan songs. It's great, man. There Sloan of this era. There's something he mentions in the interview, Matt Murphy, about. I think it's when he's talking about Neil Young. He's talking about being a young punk and talking about Neil Young, and he's saying that yeah, how much he like he hated Neil Young at the high school party or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. he's so pissed off. I had a similar experience with that, but actually related to Sloan. Um, cause that first Sloan stuff came out, um, like peppermint and, uh, smeared and I loved it. And I just thought it was incredible and smeared obviously in particular, I got it pretty big in Canada here. Oh yeah. But, uh, I guess in the States a little bit too, but really big here. And, um, I just think that record, I still love that record, but when they released, uh, their, cause I think they technically broke up and then came back. And then that's when Twice Removed was released. Mm-hmm. If I don't have that correct, then it's the next record they did that with. But anyway, Twice Removed came out and it got big push because they got big here. And uh, Coax Me, as far as I know, was the lead single on that record, which stylistically is much different than everything on Smeared. Mm-hmm. So I, and this is the height, like I remember being in high school and this is like the height of this stuff. And I was just totally like livid. Because this record, like, they came through on this album, and everybody, like, had the shirts or whatever, and I remember seeing the video and just being so bummed <laughs> that it sounded so different. I was just, like, I just was so angry, and actually, weirdly enough, I would credit, and that came out in 94, I would credit that as being, like, a huge, uh, although I was fully into punk already, but that catapulted me, like, even more headfirst into, like punk hardcore i think specifically because i was so frustrated with people liking something that was like softer and, and quieter or whatever and so yeah I, I had that exact moment related to neil young that he had but i, I had it really slow and weirdly enough to tie it around um and i hated that record for a while 
And then as soon as I kind of like got over being stubborn, I realized how excellent the record is. So, and, uh, yeah. so Sloan is your Jasta's quicksand. <laughs> That's a better analogy. Absolutely. Yes. Because, you know, quicksand, I don't think anyone ever actually hated quicksand that says they do or did. Yeah. But it certainly was one of those things where it was like, directionally it's like no this is in the wrong place we need to get noisier <laughs> yeah. and whatever and it's like what are you guys doing like a beatles nod like this is not cool but you know now speaking as a fully grown adult i yeah it's ironic i like twice removed much more but uh both are excellent records but yeah i had that moment but it was very much this this divide and it was like no people who like this are like into indie rock and that's and i like that stuff fine but it was just not cool. I was like, no, punk mm -hmm. is punk is life. And so that's what fully catapulted me. So I can thank Sloan uh, doubly <laughs> because they're initially one of my like earlier bands that I was so into that I thought was amazing and got me inspired into stuff. And then when they kind of betrayed me in 94, briefly, I, uh, I went more headfirst into like harder punk. <laughs> I uh I I l always kind of like had a soft spot for Sloan. I always was like there's something about these guys that they're just so cool. And yeah. then I don't think I've ever told this story on the show. I don't think I even told Chris Murphy when he was on the show this story. Yeah. But uh I remember in high school one time there was like this cafe that opened up near our school and we went in it one day and uh and we saw like the guys from Sloan like there, like Jay and Chris. Yeah. And we went to like the back and we started like getting, uh, we started sending notes to them. <laughs> okay. And they eventually wrote back like, Hey guys, like, you know, they must've been so weirded out, like total punisher shit. <laughs> but like, by that point, like we were like, they didn't write back. So we just wrote a note that was just like, fuck you guys. You think you're better than us. <laughs> and so we're like, if they give you a note back, don't give them this note. And uh, they they gave the note back, but they the 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 waiter still gave them the note, and wow. uh, they wrote "fuck you." Fuck, <laughs> 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 that's <is> amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've told Chris that story, but <laughs> it's amazing how much beef you and I had with Sloan in '94, <laughs> like or whatever year that would have been. But yeah, yeah, I I don't know, and I I loved them too, but it was I love them. I I always loved them. I never didn't love them. My problem yeah. was, it was like when you like a band and they do something where a whole bunch of like. To, speaking in punk nomenclature, like when the norms start to like mm -hmm. something and you're like, no, this is not your club. Mm -hmm. And it felt like that's what happened with Sloan. And this is like the height of like people sitting down at concerts and crap too. And I just, it pissed me off so much. And that was like, I really wanted Sloan to like release an aggressive album, not do what they did. However, I was completely wrong. <laughs> they did a perfect record, but, um, they eventually did do that hardcore seven inch. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, I don't know, fourteen years too late for me. But yeah, if they released that, I would have been. Oh my god, I would have thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's funny you say that. That's ex like hilarious. Yeah, if they put that out in '94, they'd probably be my favorite band. Maybe honestly, it would have changed your life. Yeah, yeah, it probably would have. Um, they, yeah, I gotta get that seven inch. I still don't have it. Yeah. I mean, I was fucking with Minor Threats so hard then. If that came out, I would have just been like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's hilarious. But um, The covers on the 7-inch are pretty fucking badass. 
Yeah, they're great. They're great choices. Like I, it's why you know, like we talk about this band, and there's probably international people. They're like, "What the hell?" Like they don't really know much about it. And I know we're we're sort of getting off topic from uh, Super Friends a bit, although they are almost solely responsible for the Super Friends trajectory. But um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I just thought I wanted to share that anecdote earlier because I thought when I was listening, how funny that was. That exactly the way he was expressing his teen angst is like, "Yep, I had that exactly." But with twice removed instead of Neil Young. <laughs> to bring it back to Super Friends, Chris, yeah. my my white whale, my wanted record on this label mm-hmm. is this Edge Fest Murder EP. What the hell year is that? Where what? what 1995, release? featuring <clears throat> Super Friends, Jail, Thrush Hermit, and Stinkin' Rich. Oh, yeah, to a thousand. I have never that I am aware of. Wow, it's worth a little bit too. Um, yeah, this record's rare as shit. This is my favorite move, by the way. This is we're now going to go into resource talk for a minute again. We've already discussed my metric of like you're in trouble when. Yeah. So this record has warning signs written all over it, and this is a nightmare for people like Damien and I because in reality, this record is not actually worth much. Like it's it's worth like you know, I don't know. It's obtainable. Uh, it's, it should be very obtainable, and it is around. If you dig, I'm sure you'll find it. But on the resource, the medium price is 70 bucks, which will give you an example. So, But the wants are more than double, double plus in the haves, which is a warning sign. And then on top of that, there are two for sale, and they're both well above the median. So the resource, that's the only frustrating thing about the resource and the marketplace now, is that this record is just being gouged on by people who have it. I would say this record is in probably super rare, because like according to the comment, this was the first thousand people that lined up for Edgefest that got these singles. Yeah. Okay. How many copies of this do you think made it out of the day? Fair point, but at the same time, I mean, this is probably a free record. In that, it's like 95. I don't know. No one had record players in 95. People like people did, did obviously. But, like, I mean, like, no one, like, the average kid, I don't know, I guess they would have been buying vinyl a little bit. But, you know, think about, like, how rare all those 90s records are now just because they just didn't press that many. Yeah. I, I just, I find things like this to be a little frustrating because it's, like, it's a four-way comp. From the '90s, <laughs> that that is Edge Fest centric. On top of that, so for me, that should like devalue it like a million times. Although the bands are very good on it. But, yeah, the bands are super awesome. Like, yeah. unfortunately, probably not what you would have seen on Edge Fest that year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would imagine they would have or been somehow associated. Uh, if that's let's what check. Doing it. But uh, anyway, what is neat here, real quick to mention, is that even on the resource, when you check out the actual listing of this. Um, Someone has upped to YouTube the Thresh Hermit track and the Stinkin' Rich track. The other two, the Jail and the Super Friends, appear not to have been upped that I have seen anyway. But if you search like Thresh Hermit West Island Rockers, for example, you will find songs from the comp if you're really that keen. But um, yeah. Uh, so 1995 is the year we're looking at, right? Yeah. So that year it was Elastica and Blur. Huh. Uh Our Lady Peace. Yikes. Uh Nets Atomic Dustbin. 
Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm having that. The Odds, Trouble Charger, <laughs> Watchmen, Ahead, Junk House, Crash Vegas, Sugar wow. Ray. It's a name I haven't thought of in a while. Crash Vegas. Yeah, Sugar Ray. Yikes. And it was Sloan's last show ever. Okay, so maybe that's why. Yeah. But you're right, yeah. Weirdly enough, none of those other groups are seeming to no. play the, the lineup. I remember I my thought, friend went to this Edge Fest, and he's like, do you want to go? And I was like, no. <laughs> exactly. And in retrospect, <laughs> I think I made the right choice. No, you definitely did. Uh, it would have been cool to see Sloan's last show ever. And to be honest with you, the band I most was like, kind of like, ah, should I go, was uh, Sugar Ray, because I thought that song, Me Machine, was pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I don't know. There's, there's too much with that Edge Fest that's uh, it ru- I'm not it, not feeling it, so I could never go. There's so many <laughs> bands that aren't that great that play Collective Soul. Like, yeah. Yep. It loves it. Uh, um, oh, this is a crazy lineup. This one year, Matthew Goodband, Biff Naked, Sloan, <laughs> Moist, The Tea Party, Green Day, The Foo yeah. Fighters, Creed. Wow. <laughs> Gob, Serial Joe, Len, Widemouth Mason, Finger Eleven, Silver Chair, and Big Wreck. Wow. That is an absolute, although there are. Oh, those are two different years, sorry. I okay. Well, whatever, of all those bands you mentioned, maybe two or three are okay, but the yeah. rest are an absolute nightmare. That is incredible. Um, my want list for murder, or my number one want for murder, is uh, the much later released Sloan Road Jam single, which came out in. I can't find it here. Let me look. Road's Jam came out in. Man, this is hard to find. It came out in uh, 1997. 97. One yeah, of the hardest singles to find. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, has the metrics, which I discussed earlier, which are problematic for me as a collector. But yeah, um, very uh, interesting record that they released. But that's my number one one, although they released a lot of cool stuff. That was, uh, uh, yeah, that's got to be one of the hardest records to find, period, because, you know, there's only 500. Yeah. And how many of them are just like lost because people have no idea what the fuck it is? Yeah, it's all white. All white, everything. It has an embossed cover. That's it. A little embossed stamp. That's actually white. It's not colored. It's like a, you know, whatever perforated in the paper. So you can't. You just see that, but nothing else is on it. Yeah, that's great. I actually have a sleeve, but I don't have the record. Oh, where'd you get a sleeve? In a store? I just had the sleeve was like the record was missing, so I found the sleeve. Uh, well. Now, when you find a, co- a sleeveless copy, you'll be stoked to have that sleeve. Yeah, true. Actually, um, I'll, I'll take it if you got it. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's a lot of cool stuff like Sloan has like, and the, and all their records go for money. Like all the LPs. Are... Oh, another thing I want to shout out here, since it is a murder release, I can't believe this is on murder. But uh, the elevator through original music from the such. It's only on CD, oddly enough, and that's you know not the best. Also, if someone needs to reissue this, please do it. But uh, that is excellent, and Murder put that out in 1998. Highly recommended. Oh, but Sub Pop, uh, you know, made it. 
and license yeah. it to Murder Records, it looks like. Yeah, but I don't think they ever released it. No, they didn't. It doesn't. Wow. Yeah. So it's it, that's a weird record because that's a really cool record, actually. And I believe it is a movie, I guess, of some kind. Yeah, it I says that. But uh, anyway, that's a great record. You're going to have to uh, try and track uh, the, down the vinyl rights and bring back your label and reissue it. <laughs> sure, yeah. When I want to when I have all that expendable money to throw exactly. around. <laughs> yeah. It is great, though. I mean, that would sell, I would hope. Yeah. Uh, I've Back to the Matt episode, I thought, yeah. you know, I, I think – that story is so cool to kind of find out that there was that much of a scene that early in Nova Scotia and Halifax specifically. Yeah. I mean, I'd never thought about some of the things you discussed, like the idea of how many people go there for school and whatnot and why, because as you discussed, like it is kind of bizarre that it was so vibrant in those years. Mm -hmm. Like it was much more vibrant than Toronto. I would argue. It's yeah. I don't know. You there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go on. No, okay. sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, I just said doesn't like. I just thought it doesn't make sense based on like how remote it is, kind of. But uh, yeah, it's a great city though. Like if having been there a bunch, like I get it. But uh, it is weird. Like back, well, back when this was all happening, I never really understood. Like I'd never been out there. I never understood what was going on. But uh, now I kind of understand it, like in a more of a context after this interview, at least for sure. Also, after this interview, I'm convinced Jay Ferguson yeah. has the best taste in the world. I know. I know what you're going to say. I actually it came up in my head earlier. I was like, yeah, he's the mention of all the things they like that Matt mentioned about him. Absolutely. You got to definitely interview that dude. He doesn't identify as a punk. Regardless. I, don't I know. I want to have him on the show. I pitched him, Chris. You don't think I'm out there pitching? Hey, even if not pitching, just footnotes even. That'd be even better. It'd be cool to have him live for a footnotes episode. Even just like, yeah, that would make him even cooler <laughs> if he just did a footnotes. Ah, I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that one, Chris. I know. I'm just being funny. I meant <laughs> in the music joking. nerd sense of like, that's all. He's uh... <laughs> Anyway, yes, he's extremely cool. And uh, his, the, the legacy of him in my brain has grown. Oh, absolutely. Eventually since this, yeah. Absolutely. What a yeah, what a what a cool yeah, what a what a just a cool dude. Sorry, I got distracted by this the local rabbits British Knights Coalition consolidation and strike stomp your BKs down. What is was this a murder record? Yeah. By the local rabbits. Yeah, I'm trying to find nineteen ninety seven. There's no pictures of it. Huh. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's yeah, a seven inch. Weird. What a weird label. So many it appears to be It appears to be dance versions yeah. of songs. Um, I hope that the Stomp Your BKs Down is a reference to British Knights sneakers, which I doubt it is, but that would be amazing. Well, it must be because, like, it's British Knights Coalition. Oh, yeah. Maybe it is. Very bizarre. <laughs> See, now we just have now you just have more questions for the Sloan camp now. I tell you, we gotta have Chris Murphy back for part two. Finally, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> just rapid fire round about murder records. This is murder records nerd questions. <laughs> yeah. I will say that first time I met Chris Murphy, he did tell me he was going to give me all his records. 
Hmm. It's like, I'm just going to get them from my parents. Says, you can have them. I don't even need them. It's like that. Sure. A hundred percent. Do that, please. Guess what? He's never done. Chris. <laughs> Give me any fucking records. <laughs> well, I can't blame anyone for, for not giving up records, but yeah. No, I know. Um, I don't blame him either. It's also wild. Like I forget sometimes that like, oh yeah, fucked up to the split with Sloan too. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. it's very and, weird. That's, I think that's like a career high point for me. Yeah. And there, or he maybe specifically, Chris is featured on the, whatever that rare Christmas record or whatever that you did, I think. Right. Is he on that? The stars on whatever. Yeah. Number. Stars on 45. Sure he's on that. Oh, crazy. Okay. That would have been so, one of the first times I talked to him on the phone, I think. Yeah. I met him I met him at South by Southwest one time. Yes, and you're the reason why I met him once, which was, although I probably, in theory, could have met him at different points in time, but for whatever reason it never happened, you were the facilitator of when he fronted for your band doing punk covers at the old location of Sonic. That's right. In 2000 and I don't even know what, seven, seven? Uh, yeah, no, that that show was a was a very fun time. Uh, I wish, like, had I known that that Matt Murphy was into all this oi stuff and all that punk stuff, like going through his records, I think I would have gotten him up to do a song with us too at some point. Totally, I will say, like, to I don't know for how much longer we're going to go on his episode, but I was most impressed by how <laughs> just how into punk he was. I was <laughs> totally not expecting that. I thought, okay. You know, like even Chris Murphy's interview is excellent, but I think I was just like the, the level of like going to England buying clothes and like that is <laughs> absolutely incredible. I loved it. Yeah, like I, we could spend more, way more time talking about Matt's episode, but we have to plow on. But yeah, no, that's the thing is like you can tell like it was a brief period of time that he was like into it, but yeah. it had a profound effect on him. Totally. You can still hear in his voice to this day. Yeah. I agree. Um, he was not a fan of the American stuff. Not a fan of the Chris Murphy style punk. That's for sure. Which is a funny, uh, whatever. Like a, a, that's peculiar because <laughs> of all the stuff that the whatever the Sloan camp seemed to be really into. And, well, it, and it's funny because we never talked about flashing lights. Yeah, but he did like a straight up jam style like mod revival band. Yeah. After he did Super Friends. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, like that is a, a profound effect it had on him. I would, I love Matt. He's one of my favorite people I've gotten to work with and and hang out with. And I miss hanging out with him. He moved to England now, so yeah, I don't see him as much. But yeah, it was super fun to get to talk to him. But now we got to move on, Chris, because we got like six other episodes to talk, about, <laughs> yeah. six other interviews to talk about yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, on to what is a, another favorite memory of mine from this year. It's how I got to spend my birthday, which <laughs> yep. is with you, Chris, and yep. with the loving folks in Dinosaur Jr. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting – it was great, but it was a very interesting event. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to be awkward. There's no way around it. Like, it's – it's you know, you're interviewing Jay Maskus on stage. You, you're you going to get what you paid for with that. Uh, but it was still, I had a fun time. Like it was great to get to interview all of them in what could only be described as a whirlwind. Yeah. I, I still think it was good. I, I don't feel the awkwardness is the level that you're describing, but I see why you're saying it. Yeah. But it was great. There was a little bit of awkwardness. 
But they were the, uh, that was the first time seeing them for me too, bizarrely. And uh, I thought they were great. Yeah, they were amazing. They're like one of my favorite bands. Uh, got to got to go out and do some songs. It was yeah. a, a perfect birthday. Yeah. Perfect birthday. Uh, got to eat some donuts. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything we need to go into note-wise for this episode? Um, ugh, trying to think of things that happened that day. Um, you covered chunks, which was impressive. And I want to be your dog by, yeah. of course, the Stooges. Uh, chunks by Last Rites. Um, who they played with. <laughs> who they played with, yeah. That's probably uh, the thing I've talked the most about in my life. Well, it is pretty, it's a pretty big footnote. Oh, yeah. Know? Like, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was great. I, I thought they were all very cordial. I'm a little, I just rewatched The Year Punk Broke uh, last night. So it was amusing seeing them in it yeah, and forgetting like the little anecdotes. And the one thing I, well, I didn't, I hadn't watched it in so long, I wouldn't remember, but there's a part where Thurston Moore is talking to a fan that's holding a scootering magazine. And he mentions like that Murph is a big scooter head guy. Oh shit. That's right. So he's like, I, I want to get the cover of goo painted on my scooter. Exactly. Yeah. So the, I, I, my regret is not talking to Murph about scooter stuff. <laughs> That's my one regret for the night. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I can't picture Murph riding a scooter. I can't either, but it's just cool. If he's yeah. into it, I'm feeling it. That's Anyway, I'm having it. Also funny that Murph used to be in like a straight-up oi band. Yeah. <laughs> Murph, there's a lot of mystery with Murph. It's just they're all really into like the thing that I'm most impressed with about that band, genuinely, this from a Jay Murph perspective, is how into British oi music they are. Yes. <laughs> or, or word. I don't know. I don't want to say still, but regardless, like, it's super cool. I would never, ever have thought that. Ever. Yeah, no, they definitely... Even, even Deep Wound, you know, ties aside, like, I still wouldn't have thought that. I, I mean, they heard those records, but I can't see them being psyched like that huge into it based on how Deep Wound sounds. Like maybe the ultraviolet seven inch, <laughs> like, <laughs> like but like everything else, I'm like, well, I don't know, it seems too slow. Everything else, but yeah. Well, he, he was also an upside down cross, Jay, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so he he likes it. He likes you know a little bit slow too. And then we all know Lou started smoking pot and liking his music really slow, as he says true. in that song. Um, it was, yeah, it, it's, it's funny when, you know, bring up your punk broke. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is when Thurston Moore's interviewing Murph. He's like, what do you think about it on stage? He's like, uh, mainly Jay's ass. <laughs> <laughs> he Jay's says ass. the view is mainly Jay's. The view is mainly yeah, Jay's yeah, ass. Yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> question's actually super funny. He says, now it's something like when you play rock music, you, you didn't used to be, like he used to have a shaved head, or he says he used to be a skinhead. And yeah. He said, now that you're, do you feel different now that you're a long hair or something? It's very funny the way he phrases it. But uh, yeah, anyway. it's also there's there's like a lot of cool references in that movie. Like going back and rewatching it as an totally. Adult. Like yep. I'm like, oh shit, they were like referencing some like weird punk stuff here, you know, or like you know when yeah. he's when he's the <laughs> stuff with uh, Bob Mold. The mold, the mold cameo is great. The uh, there's there's very deep head punk stuff in it. Very very quick 
mentions when he asked Jay bizarrely about some like obviously fictitious love child. And well, because that's said, all the other thing that's going on in that movie. It's all Madonna references. It's I don't all, know that. All okay. references to Truth or Dare, that Madonna movie that came out. Oh, okay. You know that scene yeah. where Kim's putting on makeup and the crew yeah, guy yeah. comes in and she's like, I don't want any fat yeah, people yeah. in the audience. Yeah. That's from that scene in Truth or Dare where Madonna says she doesn't want fat people That's in the right. audience. That's right. That's right. Okay. I didn't catch that watching it again, but yeah, you're right. That is correct. That that's, uh, makes sense now. There's but a the... bunch of like weird parody stuff to that Madonna film in that. Yeah. That, that just like when you're like, when you see that Madonna thing. You're yeah. like, oh shit, that's what they're doing. Well, I've seen it, and it's, I hadn't seen that for a million years, but yeah, I saw yeah. that when it came out. But but anyway, the Deep Head references, he mentions HR, Jay does. Uh, there's a quick shot of what appears to be a distro at one of the European shows they play, and the first uh, like record they show and zoom in on is Kings of Punk. Yeah. Uh, of course, points an idea. There's a... Thurston in the outro mentions all the bands they played with and says like not to forget. I think he says the Stooges and Agnostic Front, but he definitely says Agnostic Front, uh, which again in '91 in that movie is pretty insane. Yeah, uh, not not for him to reference, but just like the people like yourself or myself that would have been watching that. That's a pretty. Uh, I, I I just think these things subliminally did sink in, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and yeah, I think those are the ones I remember picking out. There might be some other ones, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's like, I'm trying to remember too. There's like, there's definitely a few other kind of references to stuff. Isn't there something when he's interviewing those two German girls about what kind of music they like? Um, the guitar swing. Yeah. He said, oh, there's lots of little funny. yeah. Yeah. But it's not like the the outright references or things. Like I kept looking at T-shirts. Um, none jumped out. Like I didn't really notice. I'm sure there's some cool shirts being worn, but I, none jumped out at me. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 a good movie to to watch again for people that haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it at all. Have you watched the DVD? No, I just I I, I saw it on whatever online last night there's a bonus movie on the dvd that's just assembled out of all the cut footage oh cool with different songs and and uh different interviews and and like whole other story arcs and stuff like a lot about courtney love wow uh and it's awesome nice it's really worth picking up the dvd of that that came out way back when um yeah i love that movie so much so so much um well i guess we should move on because (laughs) Yeah, I went on the dinosaur junior thing, but you know, it it was what it was. You heard it, but thanks to those guys for humoring (laughs) me because that was a lot of fun to do, no matter what. Yeah, Uh, on to the next episode, which is one that I think both you and I uh, are excited about, which is that the release of the Toronto Hardcore book, which is coming out. What is it next week, Chris? Uh, this, well, I don't know when you're going to put this out, but technically this week. Yeah, we'll put it, it's coming out pretty soon. Yeah, this uh, weekend to be specific. Uh, and it's, this is a, a labor of love that was put together by, uh, four people that, yeah, just decided that this is something that needed to be done. And, uh, I got to sit down and interview all four and it was, you know, there were more people involved in the book, of course, but these are the four people that were like the nucleus of it. 
So yeah, tomorrow is too late is the name of the book. And uh, Chris, what are your thoughts about this book? Well, I haven't looked at the book yet. I don't know if you saw any of it. I got to see like a, a preview copy that they had. Well, I just flipped through it briefly and it's <clears> it's nice. pretty awesome. Yeah, like what I'd seen, I follow the they, – they do – I think there's an actual Instagram account. Like if you look up Toronto Hardcore Book, I think there's an account. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah, what I've seen of things that are from it, like snapshots, look very neat. But uh, I haven't obviously looked through the book, but – uh, of course, the bands they discuss, I'm fans of. So, a fan of, pardon me. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm excited about it. Yeah. So, uh, the authors are Fran, Derek, Sean, and Simon. Simon Harvey, of course, from Ugly Pop Records, who is mentioned quite a bit on this show, as uh, you know, a, a big per- influence on me as far as you know, music uh, growing up. So, these are the people that should be doing this book. I got to say, if there's a group of individuals more qualified. I don't think I could think of who it would be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this this thing looks amazing. There's like, you know, whole sections on bands that, you know, even people like Chris and myself who are, you know, historians don't have a lot of information on. Yeah, that's more what I'm anticipating is the stuff that I'm not familiar with that might be in it or I know is in it rather. But um yeah, I don't know. Did we? I don't know if you already mentioned. Like, do we want to shout out where you can get it or where to look it up? I have that info. Oh yeah, let's, if you have that info, you definitely please. Yeah, so it's UXB Press Canada. So that's UXB Press Canada, all, all one word. Dot bigcartel. Dot com, and the book's up there already for purchase. But as Damien was mentioning, it's it's whatever physically being released or whatever, like the release party, if you will, is this weekend at Not Dead Yet. And the gig uh, is completely sold out too, though. So it might be hard. Well, to get. I think they just released more tickets. Actually, oh, they did. Okay, there might, good. There might be more, but I anyway. It features definitely negative gain. I'm trying to remember who else is playing it. Uh, I will be in attendance, but yeah, Chronic Submission. I think is it Chronic Submission? Yeah, chronic Submission. Yep. But yeah, so there's um, it'll be released there. Anyway, yeah, I thought the interview was great. Yeah, yeah, like it, this is a scene that, you know, kind of get harped on a lot that is very underdocumented. Like today, I actually went through and laid out like a bunch of records, you know, like from all the bands that are kind of talked about in the book. But then there's just tons of stuff that never got released on on vinyl. You know, the stuff that got released on tape, but how many of those tapes survived and and how, you know, people don't seem to cherish tapes in the same way they cherish records or they don't seem – to become canon as easily, you know, as the, as albums do. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that that's part of the, it's been part of the, uh, whatever, um, roadblock all these years from it, some of this stuff happening, but, um, the gig real quick sidetrack, mm-hmm. uh, is negative gain, sudden impact, chronic submission, micro edge and creative zero. And that is this coming weekend and not dead yet. Anyway. Are, are you familiar with micro edge, Chris? I've always heard the name. I haven't heard anything. They are one of the first skate rock bands. Yeah, so I've heard. And Curious also very early straight edge band too, apparently. Hmm. Well, I, yeah, like I've heard it. Maybe even you mentioned it in the past, but I've definitely via stuff related to this book, I've heard it, but never heard anything from them. 
there is a seven inch comp that is being released by Simon Harvey that you can pick up, uh, I think with the, with, like Ugly Pop Records, sorry, Simon's label, that will be available with the book. I think for the first run of the book that uh, has some unreleased songs by, you know, Micro Edge and some of these other bands that are, you know, some of the bands that do have stuff out there are on this comp as well. But, you know, particularly Micro Edge is the one that I find uh, most interesting to kind of get a chance to read about or see. Yeah. You know, or play or listen to, I should say. Yeah, agreed. Well, it'll be interesting to see how some of this goes over live as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of these bands haven't played in a long time. Yeah, but I still think, I don't know, I've seen, you know, they discuss like Sons of Ishmael and things like that. And I've seen and never played with those groups. So I'm, I've, and they were good. So I'm anticipating some of this. Like I've seen obviously footage from like the original footage from like the Not Dead Yet movie. So to see some of these bands again, like contemporary is going to be interesting. Dude, look at the Micro Edge demo that's for sale. Or sorry, no, that's listed on Discogs. Um, I, I never knew had this thing in a sleeve or a, a cover for the tape. I don't see any actual. I'm gonna have to do a deep dive here. Are they on a comp? Are they on? No. If you just look at Micro Edge, it comes up on the resource. Yeah, but it hasn't. But they're on <laughs> a Killed by Tapes comp, <laughs> record comp. And oh, now here it is. Uh, yeah, that is a bizarre cover. And it has, I think that's a, it, no, that's not, well, it almost looks like the Ratbones logo, but it's not at the bottom. If For those familiar with skateboarding. Um, anyway, yeah, weird. That is not what I would have expected. It looks like a, like a professionally color printed cover. Yeah, no, it looks super slick. Yeah. Uh, so on this comp, Tomorrow is Too Late, the 7-inch comp that's coming out uh, on Ugly Pop Records, there is two songs by Micro Edge, Sudden Impact, Direct Action, Negative Gain, Sons of Ishmael, Chronic Submission, ATB, Creative Zero, Dead End, and MSI. Yep. And Which, Schizophrenic just reissued that MSI. Yeah. Yeah, they're, Schizophrenic's doing... Um, I believe two new reissues coming up, the Chronic Submission and the MSI. Yeah, the uh, the MSI, though, is completed. Um, let me just see here. I'll look it up. But uh, sidebar related to what we're discussing, someone has uploaded, thank God for the internet, um, the full MicroEdge demo on yeah. YouTube. It's I fucking sick. I haven't to it. That's sick. I didn't know it was up there. It's raging. Okay. The MSI, uh, the MSI uh, reissue has twenty nine songs on it, so it looks like it's got everything they've ever done. Which I got given a tape by Glenn uh, Salter, the guitar player in the band, years ago. Which I think is this reissue that's come out. Like I think it's the same number of uh, songs on that as well, which is awesome. There's a whole bunch of stuff from that first demo tape session that didn't make it onto the the seven inch which is killer so yeah i'm stoked for this thing to get reissued the liner notes too because glenn does the best zines ever nice i don't know why i can't find it but yeah that i've seen uh some early snapshots of that um msi but i can't find it now it's under more stupid initials 
No, I know, but I've seen, I'm looking up, like, who put it out, if it's out. I believe it's Schizophrenic. Schizophrenic. I, I think it comes out ne- this weekend. Yeah, but I've already seen, I thought I saw photos, but anyway. Um, yeah, so. Oh, I think there is a photo on the Hammer uh, City Records Instagram. Yeah, I thought. Anyway, it's for those people who are up on that, that's where you look. Like, Schizophrenic Records or Hammer City Records or what have you, yeah. Uh, there is, yeah, a lot of cool stuff finally coming out. So, and, and Schizophrenic also did the Sons of Ishmael reissue. Yeah, they did the L- Young Lions reissue. Unruled, unruled, fracturecide. But yeah, uh, so they've done like a lot of sick stuff. But it's great they're doing all these, you know, absolutely essential and kind of now forgotten or lost, yep. uh, you know, records that are going to be now reissued. Like, going to be able to finally have the chronic submission tape on vinyl. Hmm. Holy yeah, shit, awesome. Chris, who'd ever thought that would happen? Yeah. Agreed. I'm looking forward to that. Well, they also released a simply saucer single. Yeah. Recently. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Anyway, uh, on to more stuff from this episode. Uh, Chris, you know, what's your favorite Toronto band from this era? Or like, hmm. not even, it's not even Toronto though. It feels weird saying Toronto because like, you got Meaford, Ontario. You got a lot of other cities represented under the umbrella of Toronto. Well, I don't. It's hard because I haven't heard all of this. But obviously, mm-hmm. the bigger ones I've heard, like it's ones I heard earlier than others, were like Direct Action or Sudden Impact. Um, I would say probably Chronic Submission of stuff I've heard has probably been my the thing I've been most excited about. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I can't really say I've heard much. Um, and Sons of Ishmael stuff's great, but again, it's not technically Toronto centric. Uh, so I'm going to go with, yeah, like probably direct action or, or it will be chronic submission. I have no question. But direct action would probably be my original answer. Or I like MSI too, actually. That first seven inch is great. And Sons uh, of Ishmael, that first Sons of Ishmael seven inch yeah, is just like. Both. Both cool. those are phenomenal. Um, yeah. Nunfuckers, that Nunfuckers single is yeah. pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that I'm familiar with because of you, but yeah. Well, you're also the Haymaker cover. <laughs> yes, but regardless, I just mean like someone who's talked about the actual record or whatever. That was the that best. Out. That dude came back and started going to shows for a while. A little singer from the Nunfuckers. Nice. And then he was at that show where Haymaker destroyed the JCC, <laughs> and he just was like left and just never came back. Oh boy! He was like, "Yep, no, see ya, bye, <laughs> never coming back." <laughs> nice. What is, What is your favorite, Damien? What's your God? It's hard to say. Like, I think, I think you know, you you kind of got you know, like you said, MSI, love that single. That Sons of Ishmael record is Hayseed Hardcore, one of the best Canadian hardcore records yep. of all time uh direct action chronic submission though the stories you hear the vibe of that band their records like they seem to be like you know the the toronto answer to all the sort of like infamous punk bands around the world like they were the the toronto troublemakers from the sounds of it but like in a a very cool way uh but the bfg's they did a fucking double seven inch. Uh, don't know how many times I'm going to listen to it, uh, but it's it's still one of my favorite things that ever came out of the city. Is there what is um, 
because it's not at least presented within this this little write-up, but is there stuff from them in this book, I would imagine? Yeah, that's Steve Goof on the cover. Well, yes, but I mean, like, is there more content, like, within the book itself? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you can't, like, you know, from the sounds of it, uh, you can't talk about Toronto at that time without talking about the Goofs. Yes. And, like, Fort Goof and, like... Just because they're not mentioned in the summary. Oh, but that the summary is all about that 7-inch. Okay, never mind. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, you know, I think, I think they're, like, a band that gets a lot of credit. I wonder how known they are internationally. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I remember Jimmy Gestapo when Murphy's Law played Toronto in 97. Yeah. Uh, was going off about how much he loved the BFGs. And I remember seeing the BFGs play the Opera House opening for MDC. And, you know, like BFGs playing in Toronto at this point was been like 96. Yeah. Uh, you know, like BFG, they would have been playing like every week. So there weren't a lot of people up front dancing. Yeah. But there's just like one dude <laughs> losing his mind, like moshing so like not moshing, but just like, you know, like dancing so hard for the BFGs, like singing along to every song. Yeah. And then the set finishes, MDC sets up all the gear, and then this dude gets up and it's fucking Dave Dichter. <laughs> I think you I've heard that before. I don't know if you said it on the show, but I love that story. It blew my mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Also the opera house for MDC? Packed. <laughs> well, mid nineties, sure. It was a full, full show. Um but yeah, so the BFGs I guess do have some international impact, that's for sure. But they're a band that the stories you hear about them are ridiculous. Of course. And prominently also featured in that documentary with a lot of these bands. A lot of that stuff is featured in that documentary. And I think that's like, you know, much in the same way as uh, Decline of Western Civilization kind of defines like what bands get looked upon or talked about. Uh, People say that that was the effect that movie had on the BFGs. Like the BFGs became the band because they're the band that's featured the most in that documentary. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's it's funny watching it in in this day and age because it's, you know, obviously it's an era that was before me, but, like, it's funny just seeing things that you still can reference and go, oh, wow, this was still not the same, but relatively. And I, you know, you, obviously, if you live in this area, you remember that band even well after the fact, like you're mentioning. If um, you, if you look yeah. a bunch of fucking goofs on uh, Urban Dictionary... <laughs> it says a local Toronto punk band that kicks the ass of any punk band in the world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's quite the uh, praise. <laughs> and this is how Sid from Toronto spent September 11th in 2008 was writing that comment. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, either way, so be it. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's definitely uh very very uh a very cool entry right there. <laughs> All right, what do you want to go on next? There's actually a bunch of fucking goofs entry also on IMDb. Really? Yeah. Via that documentary or yeah, what for the movie about? City of Shadows in 1987. Huh. I've always wondered was did he was he in any other movies? Steve? Oh, Steve Goof, yeah. 
absolutely. So is he in Dragon Hunt or is he not? Do you know what movie I'm referring to? I think he is. Because he's like, I'm quite positive it's him. I always remember watching that movie younger and I'm like, I've seen this dude before. <laughs> it's either that or it's some dude that looks a lot like him, but I, it's kind of hard to mistake. There's also like apparently DOA were extras in 21 Jump Street. Oh, wow. Um, let's see what Steve Goof's uh, IMDb's like. Yeah, if he has one. And if not, for the anyone like local or beyond that knows what we're speaking of, feel free to write in and uh, hip us to some movies that he may have been in that we're not mentioning. Yeah, there are tons. There are definitely tons. Man, they don't have his real name here. i got to find that out. Okay, anyway, we should move on. You know, he, he ran for mayor. Did he really? I didn't know. Or no, Alderman. Oh, no. Sorry, I, maybe I did see some kind of like whatever propaganda for that. Yeah, he ran. He ran in 1988. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, whoa! And it also says that in 1985, Kieran uh, Plunkett, the present singer and bass player of the UK punk band The Restarts, spray painted the bunch of fucking goofs logo on the Berlin Wall. And after the wall fell, that section of the wall was taken off to be viewed at art exhibitions in uh, Switzerland and New York. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Eight and four meter tall pieces of the wall measuring 10 meters long were then to be auctioned off at Sotheby's. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, BFGs can be seen in the Canadian TV series TNT, where they played a street gang in the first episodes. Ah. Um, they were also on Night Heat, Captain Power, Street Legal, Friday's Curse, Night Watch, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, My Secret Identity, Cats and Dogs, War of the Worlds, Friday the 13th, the series, and Millennium, America, America with a K, Dragon Hunt, Chris. Yeah. Twin Me- Dragon Encounters. So these are these have to be his credits because these are, cannot all be band credits. These are all for BFGs. I think are all like playing punks in these movies. Class of nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I was going to say that definitely that one makes sense. Apology. I remember this one. Short Circuit Part Two. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, Still Life. Peter Noster. Blindside. And The Fly. Wow, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. That's wild. I, I knew of like a few of those, and obviously Class of 1984 was one of the first ones that I would think of, but the Dragon Hunt one I just happened to see, and I always, like, it's a pretty, it's an actually incredible cult movie if you've never watched it, but it's, um, uh, his role in it is quite hilarious. He's just like this, like, thug, basically, that's like a part of this. <laughs> anyway, he's great, and he's very memorable in it, and you're like, I'm pretty sure that's the dude <laughs> that I see wandering around the city. <laughs> It was. It sure as it sure as heck was, Chris. Yeah. Thank God for uh, movies to keep uh, you know the punk rock going. Yep. Um, All right. So, uh, any more we want to get into in this episode? No, I think we're good on that. All right. Yeah. No, I think we're good. All right, and then I guess we should talk about the Interrupters. Yep. uh, Which was great. Had. Amy and Kevin on the show, two people I don't think have more different experiences that led them to be in the same band. 
Yeah, both their stories were wild. Wild stories, like very different, but like very wild stories. I don't know. Again, this is a band I'm completely unfamiliar with prior to this interview. But um, the uh, yeah, I had no idea. Even his, like you're saying, the movie idea. I think that's completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would be a like just yeah, it's wild. I don't know what else to say. As yeah, <laughs> well, I can only imagine what it's like to be a kid right out of school, and then all of a sudden you're in your favorite band. Yeah, that would be bizarre. And that's every. <laughs> that was definitely my fantasy. Like. All of a sudden, I get a call one day. It's like, Damien, we're going to teach you how to play guitar, and now you are going to be in Blount. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a lot of people's dreams at a certain point. Oh, God, yeah. And then to, like, be doing it, you know, and to not fuck it up. Because I think that would be the other thing. As we've established here, if that had happened to me back then, I would have fucked it up. Yeah, like asking, I I would have been asking Lars about when he was in UK subs. I would have overstepped. I would have punished, and I would have been no longer playing organs for the transplants. (laughs) I guess, yeah, but I I don't know. I think it's their story's kind of fitting. It's just funny that so much of what they've ended up doing is rooted in where where they want to be. Basically, like it's just kind of bizarre how it's worked out. This. I don't know, seamlessly, if you will. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's like, you know, and also like Amy's story going through the music industry, you know, first of all, like talk about one of the most upsetting things to think about, like having to perform in a bar as a kid while while your dad's screaming at you. Um, But also just like her story, like going through the music industry, getting discovered by Randy Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) and like putting out all these like you know songs like she had songs she has credits like it's not like that record just didn't come out and that was it she has like songs that were featured in in movies and other places yeah i can imagine um but but yeah that story is just like that whole story both both of them have like the whatever the opposing trajectory or whatever mm -hmm. very very different but once again, led them to where they are now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, would you? What would be your dream band to be in, Chris, when you're in school? <sighs> like thinking back then. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. Bizarrely, it probably would have been something like Jane's Addiction, which would be hilarious. That would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked out. No. <laughs> Chris, you got to do all these drugs now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything in our our, our, our hands. Uh, I don't know who else I was so big, big into out of high school like that. I think probably that would have been one. Uh, I liked punk bands though. Like, I mean, I was really into obviously the the punk bands that you would think of too. So maybe like might have been like, but obviously like a minor threat. But that's not going to happen. Uh, it was before my time, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. My amusing answer slash true answer is definitely Jane's addiction. I think. Yep. That would have been very awesome. Very weird. <laughs> what about you? Um, I don't know what would have been. I'm wondering what would my dream band to be a member of. Uh, when I was 17. Sure. Uh, probably, probably the time 17 would have been 10 yard fight. 
That young, eh, for a 10-yard fight? Why was that? What record came out in, like, 97? Was it 98? It wasn't. I, mean, I guess. I don't know what age we are, but, yeah, like uh, like when those things came out. But, yeah, fair Maybe you're wrong. Maybe if it was 97, then it would probably have been, like, Snapcase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, uh, yeah. No, I think I like my answer. I'm, I'm, I can live with it. I'm into it, and it's funny. <laughs> oh, it'd be definitely funny. I picture you kind of doing, like, a flea thing on stage. <laughs> like when Flea Joy Chains Addiction? Well, in my head, I guess this is how much I've thought it through, is that, yes, like you, I believe it would be bass. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so if I was fulfilling the bass position, yes, there'd be much more slapping than I would be accustomed yeah. to. And a lot of, like, grooving. You'd have to groove a lot yeah. more. Yo, I, we've talked about it before, though. I'm into those records still. I'm feeling it. I'm into it. Uh, the Jane's Addiction stuff? Yeah, I still I like the real, the first wave of it, meaning not the whatever, the reformed stuff. Uh, yes, I, I, I still fuck with some Jane's Addiction too. Yeah. That's going to make Dave Martin very upset at us. Yeah, totally. But I, you know So what? bummed. But you know, hey, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. <laughs> Cot stealing still, still, uh, still <laughs> hits. That Still record looks great too. That single looks great. Yeah, them, like those whatever outside the store, or whatever. Like those, like I don't know what you even call that. Those little kids rides that you used to put the quarter in for. It's a great cover. What's on the cover of the Porno for Pyros record? The first one is like I don't know how to just like really. Is it like a devil like, guy? Yeah, it's like a devil guy, but it's like a weird, uh, like a collage of sorts. I don't know how to. Yeah, but it's like these weird like knickknack type things but yeah there's a devil guy that looks like almost like the devil that used to be on well, i was gonna say black cat fireworks but it's not that's obviously a cat um but something like that you yeah know, i remember that devil guy. you're talking about yeah it's a good looking record yeah definitely it's a it's the porno for pyros it's a uh underrated band I, I i like the first record a lot still um i think that would definitely that would really piss off poor dave martin here in this talk about <laughs> porno for pyros <laughs> Hey, I'm into all of it. I'm feeling it. It does yeah. not fucks with the pornos for pyros. No, but I that's why we love Dave. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um okay, I guess we should move on to uh uh further uh conversations from this episode. Chris, do you have any notes? I'm trying to remember because this was the one I last caught up on. Um I did have something. The Tim Armstrong thing, like I don't, like, I, that whole association, I had no idea, like going in because again, I don't, wasn't familiar with this band. But it's kind of wild that like everything they've ever done is on Hellcat. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're fully in on that. I well, like. I really think more than like a lot of bands, that band's probably functions very much like I don't want to say a gang because that has a lot of negative connotations, but like, like, like a family. Like once you're in, you're in. And like you know, you can kind of just exist in that ecosystem. You're talking about Hellcat, or you're speaking of their band. I'm talking about Rancid, but like Hellcat is as an oh, extension okay. of Rancid. Gotcha. Yeah, fair enough. You know, like it feels like very much like the bands that opened for them, uh, like the crew. You know, it, it felt felt that way too with the Foo Fighters and like Tenacious D and like a bunch of bands that like all the crew people will also work for too, right? Like it just feels like. These bands eventually, you know, when you're in a successful enough band, I guess you want to surround yourself with people you like. So you just kind of like build a scene around yourself. 
Well, I think that there's certainly with like Rancid, there's enough history to to illustrate that they are rooted in a very whatever like practical, humble background, mm-hmm. you know, despite their success, mm-hmm. um, which is not you know not any kind of a uh, a slight at all. Like they're a successful band for good reason, but um, yeah, like the, so I, I I'm never shocked by that, and you know having worked in a similar context with bands that that way that are are rooted in that kind of a, you know, a lot, I think actually a lot of bands function that way, even in the interview where they discuss that, I don't remember his name, but they said they have a friend who became their, their guy or whatever, their driver Mm -hmm. and the merch Mm -hmm. person or whatever. Like, obviously that was something I could be very familiar with. Uh, And that's kind of like how I've witnessed a lot of bands, especially when bands get more popular is that tends to be, you know, like, you start off at your humble beginnings, and as you grow, then you know you you pull along the people that are your like crew or whatever. And so I've seen that happen a lot, at least in this kind of circle or what have you. Yeah, um, and it definitely does happen. But I think France, it's like uh, where it happens on uh, like a, a I don't know a grand scale, or I guess it was like that for a while. Like I think a lot of bands do that for a while. And then eventually it just doesn't work anymore and you kind of yeah. do your own thing or the bands, you know, whereas Rancid seems to like still be kind of like have found a way to maintain functioning like that. Yeah, agreed. I, I think, yeah, I think that's, uh, well, from how I know, yeah, that seems accurate. Um, I, I know that all that glitters isn't gold, but I think being in a band like Rancid, like, you know, you know, I'm not playing the exact same music, but like at the same time, like having your success on your terms like that. Yeah, would be the dream. Well, of course, I think that's the goal of everybody. I think you know, and we're defining success in a certain metric right now. But like, I, I mean, I, I would argue that like your band is a successful band, right? So I think that yeah, we're not able to bring a crew <laughs> with us, Chris. No, I know what you're saying, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I know. What you're, I'm just yeah, joking. Like, no, there, I definitely, I feel very lucky to be in the band I'm in. Like, I'm not, I don't mean to, but but at the same time, to like have. You know, I think to be rancid, like to know that you can kind of go out every year. Yeah. You know, you got all these people that want to see you do your thing, but then you also like, you know, you've, you kept it real in a way that a lot of bands aren't, weren't able to, or aren't able to, or, you know. Yeah, agreed. Well, I think it's, I think that's a rarity. A rarity indeed. I think that's why. And then I think that's also the, the appeal for people of groups like that. Yes. They. And I think even there's, it's again, not entirely a world that I am like, you know, that involved with as far as like fandom, but like they're even, even, uh, bringing up a band like Dropkick Murphys or, you know, bands like that, that kind of do rise on their own terms mm-hmm. and are able to then, you know, turn that into a, like a legitimate career, which is kind of insane to think of when you think of like starting a punk band. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's wild to think that the singer of the Bruisers <laughs> yes. does music in a Martin Scorsese movie. Yes. That's like, <laughs> that's, that might be the most mind-blowing turn out of punk revelation ever. <laughs> yeah, not just like a little thing, like it becomes enormous. No, it's, it's the song Yeah, in that movie. And it might as well have become the whole theme song for Boston, apparently, as a city. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I didn't hear that though. The I heard um, "Sweet Caroline" when I was at the um, oh, at the ball game. At the ball game, didn't hear any well, drop kicks. The hockey centric stuff is all that. 
Oh, is it all like yeah? Oh yeah. They even played the the cup unveiling parade thing when they uh or not parade, whatever it was, whatever cup unveiling thing when it was like two thousand eleven or twelve, they performed at it. Yeah, they they are like the official sports band of Boston. Oh yeah. Which is kind that, of ridiculous when you think that ten yard fight is from there. They <laughs> should <laughs> have ten yard fight yeah. playing yeah. all these things. Yeah. <laughs> I would love Gold Line Stance to become like the official song of the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I would love just like the whole like for the whole intro, like whatever the warm up. It should just be like ten yard fight. Back fight. in eighty three, when yeah. the Cowboys were strong. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that would be so sick. Yeah, but it is funny that you say that that there there is a direct sports centric group that existed and they did not become the nope. sports centric city. No, nope. yeah. how sick! There's like an alternate timeline where we have President Punk, and he put together an amazing festival to play his inauguration. That was kind of like how sick would it be if Beto O'Rourke becomes president, and <laughs> his inauguration is just the lineup from More Than Music Fest in 1997. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say State of the Union, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like it's just full on. It's just like it's like, hey, so Casero's uh, gone's gonna play, and and <laughs> Acker's gonna play, but I'm sorry, uh, Asik was gonna play, but they didn't want to play on a stage, so yeah, they're gonna be playing. Uh, <laughs> uh, be awesome, but and and also in that timeline, Ten Yard Fight is doing the music at the Patriots Super Bowl victories. Yeah. There's an alternate reality where all of these things panned out. Yeah. It's an amazing world. <laughs> Arguably a better world. It's yeah. a better world. <laughs> President Punk and Ten Yard Fight doing the music for the Patriots. Yep. This well, is... that that is justified. That's actually, that is a massive injustice that that never happened. That I'm I aware and did and you know it also did uh the Hanson brothers ever get to do music for the Stanley for uh the Canucks? Uh ooh, that's a good question. I feel like I did they've definitely, I think, been featured on uh like some little broadcast things related to hockey. I don't know how centric to Vancouver I've heard anything. They, I wouldn't imagine that that's too far out of the out of reality though. Okay. Um, but I know the one video they had a video for something off the second. I can't remember how many records they have. Definitely at least two, but I can't remember if they have a third. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, but one of those records they had, I thought they had a pretty big video which featured like hockey players in it and stuff. Well, they're, they're playing featured... hockey. Aren't they playing hockey against like another team? Is it like DOA on the other team? Yeah, that might have been a video, but I thought there was another one from the My Game album in 2002. Or no, maybe even... Sudden Death, even. Yeah, because Sudden Death was on a major. But uh, one of these had a video, I believe, which had, like, reference. I, I feel like like Ron McLean was in it or something. I'm not sure if it was that or it was someone like that. I could have sworn. Probably but, uh, Grapes. Grapes was in it. Yeah, it might have even been. It was somebody. But uh, unless I'm remembering it wrong. But, yeah. yeah by the way. Uh, if people don't know who Grapes is, that's, that's true. Yeah, Don that's Cherry. Don Cherry. Yes. He's he's a, a very uh, polarizing figure. Yes, in Toronto and or in Canada. Bro- former coach, broadcaster. Well, former coach, player, coach, broadcaster. Failed restaurant tour. 
<laughs> True. Yep. Um, Had a great dog. Yeah. Um, uh, geography major, not. <laughs> but yes, uh, very very Canadian centric. Yes, thank you for uh, <laughs> pointing that out. Well, you had to correct me off the top when I started talking about my band, like everyone knew about it. So I had to correct you on the fact. No, that no, that's fine. Well, you said grapes, and I just said, yeah. Chris, you put it in my head. Your, all your <laughs> hockey stuff is bleeding into my brain. Yes. But it is funny that we're. Hey, that guy cool. from Toronto got a hat trick yesterday. From where? I don't know what you're talking about. Like an actual person from the city of Toronto or a, oh, guy who plays a, a famous player that plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I guess. Well, I especially don't want to hear that as not only do I not like the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I do I am a big supporter of the team they beat yesterday. So no. Yeah, I know. They they beat them bad, Chris. It was it was close. They didn't the, beat them bad, but yes. It was pretty them. close, but there's this one part where this dude, the guy shoots the puck and this guy <laughs> catches it, bats it down from the sky and then shoots it in. Yeah. That's that's phew. How do you stop that? Well, <laughs> You don't. That's the. That's I guess the problem. Yeah, that's hockey. That's hockey. That's why I love that sport. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. <laughs> On that note, I think we're reaching the the end of. I think the- we are reaching the end, Chris. Uh, any any uh, last points that we didn't get to? Mm, no, I think we're good. This is a mega episode, so I'm pretty sure there's there's always going to be something. But I think we covered a lot. I think we covered a lot. I think we we covered some we uncovered some things that I don't think we've ever uncovered before on this show, which is becoming a rarity. Uh, okay, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Well, like you know, a lot of times it it ends up with me telling the same story over and over again. Oh no, no, I did. But yeah. but today we found out about the BFG's IMDb stuff. Yeah, that was huge. You know, we found out about that unreleased murder record or that released murder records Edge Fest single. Yeah, we did what we came to do today. Did what we came to do, you know? That's what we do here on Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. We don't set lofty goals, but we <laughs> we set goals that we achieve. Yes. Uh, Chris, how do they get in touch with us here at the show? Turned out of punk footnotes at gmail.com. And Chris and I are going to get that mailbag episode. I think we're, we're, we're aiming for next week. We're going to say that now, Chris? Yeah, we're aiming the, the – the thing is, we're trying to enlist the Daves with us, so we're going to try and do a whole big uh, whatever. You know, that should be good because then we also would – I think Dave Martin being here and David Up being here for the analyzing of Mike Halichuk <laughs> is kind of clutch. <laughs> well, there you go. You've already – there you go. Because I think both of these guys have experiences with Mike at different times, you know? Uh, tear it up, of course. Dave's band, yeah. being uh, Mike's the promoter on record mm-hmm. for for their shows. So if they ever come back to Toronto, Mike will probably wind up doing the show again. <laughs> and uh, Dave Martin, of course, we've worked with a number of years at Matador and mm-hmm. remains a friend of the band to this day. So, yeah, both of them would have some some valuable insights, much like yourself as a former member of Fucked Up. <laughs> well, I was an auxiliary member as no, you're still you're still in that that family tree sure yes but of course i'm really anticipating that though for real and uh i, I think it'll be great it's gonna be wild and then there's a bunch of other cool stuff coming up too there's a lot of interesting guests in the next few weeks that connect a lot of weird worlds 
Nice. Which is what we're about on this show, connecting the weird worlds. Totally. All right, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. Uh, check out the new Fucked Up record, Dose Your Dreams. And I and Chris will see you all next week. Thank you for listening.